With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We want the truth, so watch Truth Wanted live Fridays at 7 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc slash YTTW and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash call TW. So you Sunday, October 16th, 2022, and this is The Atheist Experience. I am Shannon Q, your host today, and I am here with my arch nemesis, Kenneth Leonard. <laughs> Kenneth, say hello to the people. Hello, people. Hello. <laughs> I personally, I adore Shannon. I don't know what she's talking about. This nemesis stuff. Yes, you do. You do. All right, all yes, right. you do. Yeah, I we, know. Yeah, uh-huh. We'll I, see. We'll I know see. what I did. You know what you did. Uh, we don't need to tell anybody else. You can go. The, the history's on YouTube. You can go find all of our arguments on YouTube. Nobody needs to know any more than that. Say no more. We've, we've, we've said too much. We've already said too much. We've already said too much. I'm very excited to be co-hosting the show today with you, even though we, we are arch nemeses, but that's okay. That's okay. We are going to get past that. We are going to be professional and we are going to start taking some calls. Are, are you ready? Can you handle it? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Let's go. Let us talk to, well, we'll talk to Mark first. Hello, Mark. You were on the Atheist Experience. What would you like to talk about today? Well, what a pleasure. I just called in and you guys take my call. The first call. Amazing. And my two favorite hosts are hosting today. So thanks for taking Oh. Oh. I listen to you guys all the time, and it's the first time I ever called in. So, but oh, it's a cool. but it's a topic that I have wanted to talk to you guys about for a long time. Uh, can I just dive right into it? Please do. So, um, I I'm an atheist, and I basically everybody in my family is atheist, except inexplicably my uh, niece, my oldest brother's daughter, and she is a full on evangelical Christian. And unfortunately, she also has two children, which she's raising in this uh, environment. So ever since these kids were born, I have planned, when they turned 18, to send them a loving, well-reasoned letter and some excellent books on this subject. And so the advice I want from you guys is I'm trying to figure out a good hook uh, for the beginning of this letter 
to get it. So this 18 year old kid who's been raised in this environment and I'm sure truly believes all the things his parents taught him to make it so he doesn't immediately dismiss me as a, you know, uh, devil worshiping atheist who just wants to have him burn in hell. Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> it, it does. It does. <laughs> and yeah, so, it so basically what I'm looking for here is a couple of really good airtight uh, kind of wake up arguments for this kid for him to go, oh, this is interesting. I might look into this further. If, if you were in my position, what would you say to him in the first paragraph? I'm interested in what Kenneth would have to say because we may we may differ slightly. But do you want to go first, I, Kenneth? Or? I would I would lead with Philippians four eight. I would quote from the Bible that what believers are supposed to be focusing on first and foremost is whatever is true. So I, I, would, uh-huh. I would lead with okay. we we have different ideas about what is, but we both value what is okay. And in 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 the the book that your your religion is derived from, you're explicitly given the instruction that you should be focused on thinking on whatever is true. So how do we get at what is true? And I would I would. I would lead with that mm-hmm. and, and, and let them know, I mean, th- th- as, the, as the saying goes, the truth has nothing to fear from investigation. Let them know that you want to believe true things. So if what they believe is mm-hmm. true, you want to come on board. But I, I firmly believe that making the conversation about the methodology of how do we figure out what is true in the first place is, is probably your best way in. I like that advice. That's I, I have advice. A, yeah, that's great advice. I have a slightly different perspective relating to how to interact on that level. So the same way that we would receive somebody proselytizing to us to attempt to convert us with like this, whoa, like that's boundary crossing. Like, what are, what are you doing? Um, that's the same yeah. way that somebody who has a different perspective is going to receive it. If you jump out of the gate with, you know, basically you're wrong. Here's the reasons why I'm right. Here's the reasons why sort of approach. I always think that the relationships matter first and foremost, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to family. So, um, First, I would take the temperature of how it's going to be received based on, I mean, this is years and years and years from now, uh, based on what you're saying. So I would take the temperature of how it's going to be received at the time. But ultimately, it would be, to me, about um, helping somebody understand my perspective better so that they could understand me better so that we could strengthen the relationship if that's something that we even need to talk about um, in the relationship. I don't think as our atheists or as atheists, our goal needs to be to deconvert anybody and bring them over to our side as it were, so that they can be, you know, right. Like we are, I think an important thing Mm -hmm. is to make sure that people have a sound epistemological strategy and are operating, you know, well and appropriately in society and not, you know, harming anybody. But if it's important to you to have these conversations with them as they get older so that they can, you know, understand who you are better and open the dialogue, the the way that I would open it is saying, you know, I know I know that we've loved, lived our lives believing differently. And that may be difficult for you. I was hoping that maybe I could open up a dialogue about what we believe and why so that we could better understand each other. And I just want to assure you that the space I create for that conversation is going to be one where we still love and respect each other at the end of the dialogue and can speak openly. And that's the most important thing because you matter to me more than what you believe. That's what I Well, this do. is why I called you guys. This that that's those are both excellent advice. And actually that framing it like that is is much better than what I had in mind, actually. And 
So um, that being said, uh, with that framing for both of you, um, being really away from conversion or deconversion, uh, yeah. then the books that I had picked out to send them may not be appropriate either. And one of the books, the, really the only book that I for sure wanted to send them um, was uh, Letter to a Christian Nation. Um, and I don't know if that's a good idea at all. Should I, should I bother even, it, I mean, it sounds to me even what you're saying that maybe I'd not send him any books at all initially and at, just judge his, uh, interest before that. Yeah. Like, um, Cause the letter or, or, to a Christian nation may I'm not sorry, be. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. There's a lag. Oh, just one last question was uh, the, the, the corollary to that question was that being said, what books would you recommend for this kid? I have no idea what his yeah. interests are, would be, or what his belief looks like, or how it interacts with um, his relationships with people or the external world. So I, I, I don't know that I would be able mm -hmm. to give a good overall okay. recommendation. Like, I would have to know more about him and more yeah, about I'm, what he believes. Yeah. I'm wondering if the book recommendation is a reflection of your concerns more than maybe what oh, they necessarily need. You know, if you're concerned about them, you know, being entrenched in, you know, American evangelicalism or even like Christian nationalism, then there are a yeah. bunch of awesome books out there on that subject. Mm. Um, Andrew Seidel's stuff comes to mind at least. But again, like pointing back to what Shannon was saying, yeah. like centering any dialogue on the relationship and on skepticism, not on, I guess, like, you know, sort of hitting him over the head with like, hey, look, here's here's a book that explains why everything you believe is obviously wrong. You know what I mean? Like, like for, for a lot of people, uh, they, they might pull back from that. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, a good book in general yeah, is David yeah. McRaney's How Minds Change. How That's Minds Change book. by David McRaney oh, yeah. is just a good book for any sort of conversations about what we believe and why. Like, I would even recommend, like, based on the conversation we're having, it might be a great book for you to read as well, is David McRaney's How okay. Minds Change. Yeah. Super good book about, you know, um, not only about practical skepticism and how to how to bring people to understandings. Yeah, I, I, I'm really like fine if we're talking suggestion. about books. I, 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 I'm more often than not, if I'm recommending books to people and I'm, I'm trying to promote skepticism, they're going to be books that are more about like decision making and, mm. and you know, cognitive traps that we might fall into. Um, so, yeah, so stuff that can I, like, you know, that helps them identify, you know, potential pitfalls that they, they might walk into uh, and, and for all of us. You know, like I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I really benefited from reading a book called Thinking Fast and Slow years ago. I love and that book. Sorry, it's 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 excellent. And and like the whole time I'm reading this book, I mean, I was already an atheist when I'm reading this book, but the whole time I'm reading it, I'm going, oh, I do that. Oh man, I do that too. Oh, I do this. And so it's 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 beneficial to me. And then that way, I know that it can be also helpful to other people who are just want who also just want to believe true things and not believe false. Yeah, that's a great book. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's very, very valuable input. You're, I think you're exactly right that this should not be about religion. It should be more about, as you said, decision-making and, um, you know, the relationship and all that. I think that's exactly correct. And, uh, well, great. Well, um, thank you. And you've also given me some good books to read. And uh, so thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to listen to you guys and, uh, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Mark. Okay. Cool. Okay. Thanks. Oh, jumped the gun. Jumped the gun. I always cut somebody off right when they're saying thank you. <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm the worst. This is why Kenneth and I are arch nemesis because I'm so awful. I have an announcement. I have an announcement. If anybody would like to support us, here are some ways that to support the atheist experience and the ACA. You can become a member. 
for as little as 99 cents a month. You can just click the join button below the video and this will give you access to special chat emojis so that you can so you can comment our faces on things. And the Atheist Experience is just one of the shows that is put on by the ACA. So make sure you check out our other shows as well. There's secu Secular Sexuality on Thursday starting at 7 p.m. Central. Truth Wanted airs live on Fridays at 7 p.m. Central. And then we have our Sunday shows. Talk Heathen airs at 1 p.m. Central. Nonprofits is right before this show at 3 p.m. Central. And you can also support us on Patreon at tiny.cc forward slash Patreon AXP. That was my announcement. Are you ready you to go. take another call? I'm go. killing it. Yeah. Nails. Absolutely. I nail it every time. All right. It might have been the highlight of the show. <laughs> Let's it's all downhill from here. I want, I want to talk to Troy. <laughs> Hello, Troy. You were on Hello. the Atheist Experience. What would you like to talk about today? How are you guys doing? Um, I just want to talk about my belief. Um, cool. Tell you guys about uh, you know, what I believe. Um, I am an agnostic theist. Um, basically means that I don't believe in God, but I believe in a creator. So uh, the reason okay. I mean that, uh, the reason I, I'm saying that is uh, basic, basically, um, I think that everything in existence on an earthly level that has been learned or acknowledged or, you know, whatever you want to say has been written by man. Everything. Okay. You can't tell me that the Bible was written by somebody because God told them. Okay. I started so you believe studying the entire body of knowledge that we have in the history of humanity is man-made. Oh yes, of course. Okay. The domino. Cool. Gotcha. All right. The domino effect. I, mean, I, I, I believe in evolution. Um, cool. You now I have some really far-fetched beliefs. I mean, I, I honestly believe that aliens probably came to our planet and um, probably planted us here or something. You know. Uh, I, I just think that um, the odds of us being created are so slim and it makes more sense. And, and you can't tell me that that doesn't make sense because uh, uh, there's people out there that actually believe in the Bible. You know, you know. Uh, Troy, some of my very favorite calls that I've ever watched on this show are ones where Shannon talks to people about probability and statistics. <laughs> so I'm going to, how did you figure out the probability of these things? Yeah. It's just. You know, I look I look at the probability and I think to myself, well, the probability is way beyond. But, but, um, but like, how are you quantifying that? Though? So, like, I mean, how are you quantifying these probabilities? <laughs> like based on based on what? I, like, I don't what? have to quantify them. I just think it's it's almost. If you're going to use the word probability, well, though, you're going to say probably. <laughs> Like if you're if you're, like it just sounds to okay, me like you're saying that you that it it kind of makes sense to you because reasons but like you're not rapping like if you're gonna use the word probability you have to you have to wrap some okay math what, around what that I'm saying you know what is I mean? if someone said what yeah but what I'm saying is if someone said that Jesus Christ died on the cross and then ascended mm -hmm. to heaven and came back to life and all this other crap then I can believe mm -hmm. that Martians came down to Earth and put us in the water. Well, the, like, well, well, my head just went boom, because it sounds to me like the the justification you're using for holding your beliefs is, well, some people believe things that are more ridiculous. So why can't I believe this? Which doesn't sound like a good foundation for a belief system, really. Well, what I what I would what I would say is there's 150 billion planets in our okay. galaxy alone. Sure. And yeah. over 100 billion observable galaxies in the entire okay. or 100 billion galaxies estimated in the observable universe. You can't okay. tell me that there's not another civilization 
civilization out there. I mean, I well, don't. But sure. What, what, that doesn't have anything to do with the stuff that you're saying. So yeah. like we're, we're sort of like, you know, going all over the place here. Um, You know, Shannon was just addressing the question of, you know, of, of course, you can believe anything that you want. I think what we're sort of more interested in here is what should we believe if we care about whether the things we believe are true and whether or not there are other civilizations, other life forms out in the universe. That doesn't have anything to do with whether or not any of it was created, does it? But what I'm trying to tell you is intelligence. So we have intelligence. We have some. I'd, I'd of, love it if you'd answer the question I just asked you. I'd love that personally. What 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 is what is the question you're asking? Yeah, wh- I'm asking you if if the existence of other life on other planets has anything to do with whether or not any life anywhere was created. That's true. Yeah. I think that some creator created something that caused some sort of domino effect, which eventually created some sort of life, which probably modeled us in there. You're just kicking a can down the road, though, right? So you're saying ago. it does. You're st- like right. you're saying it makes sense that intelligent life was created so that's a belief that you have but i don't yeah. think that we were the first or only intelligent life created so the only explanation for that must be that intelligent life was created elsewhere and then planted us here am i understanding your perspective I think, correctly i would think on an earthly scale how old the earth is uh-huh. the odds of us evolving into who we are in that time frame pretty slim i think it has to be a lot older a lot older billions of years so you don't think is like enough time imparted, no i don't honestly well and, and how, how are you figuring out what is and isn't likely here is it just your intuition like like what my uh, what, what method it's are my, you using it's my belief it's well, my belief. right but why I'm asking, I, I'm, yeah exactly why why is the the big important question hanging over all of our heads right now well, the why um the why is is just because <sighs> um you got a good point there you got a good point. <laughs> All, all I can say, all I can say is that a bunch of nefarious people decided to get together and write a bunch of campfire stories, and then it all came into this book so that they could control the minds of the human population. I mean, we get we get that you don't like or believe in in the Bible for sure. Like, uh, I I get that, yeah, but sure, cool. But like, I just I don't think that what you believe is that far off from on unsubstantiated either though except for yours is just based on your own personal intuition as opposed to being based on uh something somebody else wrote down it's still like you still have to acknowledge that when we ask why your answer to that is yeah good question i'm not really quite sure so i guess my question to you would be aside from the fact that it wasn't written by somebody else like what's the difference between what you believe in what a christian believes like they both seem like unfounded unsubstantiated belief systems that are based either one's well, based on intuition and the other one is based on you know scripture mine's if anything the christian if anything the christian theory. belief at least has something to point to well that's the problem see mine is a theory i'm not giving any names or specific people or anything specific that happened mine's a theory they actually believe specific people specific things you know, it's, so you it's don't believe it, it's just a postulate. Like you're together. saying, maybe this is possible, but you don't believe it as true. You're just saying... No, this I think is amongst it's more, the realm. It's probable. It's but then we're back to probabilities, and you oh, yeah. you don't actually yeah. have any any numbers to wrap around it. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, okay. Thank situation. you. Okay. All right. Have, I have it. Bother you all. I, I, I get it. I no. Get coming from at least we all don't. I, I just um, you know it, it's hard for me to explain where I'm coming from with this, and 
Uh, I, I okay. guess I really need to write it down to really come back and, and, and explain. Sure. Revisit but, it with us again. Um, Revisit it with us again. So, because yeah. we don't need to shut you down, anybody. but those questions are valid, I think, right? Yeah. It's just, you know, you, you need to be asking yourself, like I'd say at every point, like if you write down, I think this is probable, just ask yourself why, how, what methodology am I using to determine that this is likely or even possible? Um, and then, you know, yeah, work it out. Think about it. Yeah. Figure out more probable than what and why so that you can quantify it. Sure. Sure, right. sure, sure. Um, that, well, sure. that makes sense. I just, uh, I just don't think that it's that it's uh, possible that there's some kind of sky daddy out there that's directing us in any way possible. So, I, mean, I don't All think right, either of us are going to argue with you on that. <laughs> Everyone. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Troy. Bye. Uh, this may come as a surprise to everybody, but I have an additional announcement. I have another announcement. If you shop on Amazon, then you can support the ACA at no cost to you. You simply visit tiny.cc forward slash Amazon Smile ACA and designate the Atheist Community of Austin as your selected charity. And Amazon will donate a portion of their profit directly to the ACA. And we now have a channel that houses all of the shows that the AC, in AC, from the ACA in audio podcast form. Visit tiny.cc forward slash AEN podcast. There you can listen to all the latest shows from the Atheist Experience, Talk Heathen, Truth Wanted, Secular Sexuality, the nonprofits, and any others that appear on the channels. And we also have three Facebook groups that are run by the fans for the fans that you can interact with. The first is the Atheist Experience fan group that is at tiny.cc forward slash FBAXP. There's also the Atheist Experience private fan group where you can interact with others without having those interactions appear on your public feed. And that is tiny.cc forward slash FBAXP PR. And then there is a new group, the Atheist Experience fan group, Atheist versus Theist Debates. And that's where you can try out all of your best arguments on atheists and theists alike and you can find that at tiny.cc forward slash axp fan debates check it out there you go. i'm nailing these 100 percent every time hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why I am such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you ready for another call, my friend? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's take another one. All right. Let's talk to Aaron. Hello, Aaron. You are on the Atheist Experience. What would you like to talk about today? Um. Well, just I'd like to make a first uh, comment first on that last guy who calls. Uh, that call shows up on these shows so many times. Um, you know, take anything that they talk about with probability, like arisal of life or intelligence or something. Um, the chances of it happening are a hundred percent because it happened. It happened. Yeah. Chances of happening so, and, based and on the cause that's attributed to it, though, it's a different set of probabilities. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but I, I'm interested um, in what you have so, to say. What would you like to talk about, Aaron? Okay. So, well, well, so um, I'm I'm an atheist, and I think I can call my sci- myself a scientist because I have been paid to do science. I don't know if that's fair, but okay. um, 
<laughs> so I'm curious if the human brain is just kind of the way it's wired or the way that it's evolved and developed, if it just sort of craves the kind of thinking that comes with believing in a god, a deity, or just weird things. Because in the modern era, when we have more people that are going away from the church, they'll still jump on things like QAnon or fairies or witchcraft. Mm or things like that um I have, so. answer, I, have, I have possible answers to that kenneth do you have before i just go off on brain no, stuff I, I, i'm deferring i want to hear the brain stuff. <laughs> okay cool why, so why do we I'm want cognitive closure shannon what's wrong with us <laughs> see kenneth you got it you're nailing it so our brains are pattern like pattern seeking machines right so we are our brains function in a, in a fashion that we perceive patterns in the environment and then attempt to incorporate them into the scaffolding of you know how we operate and navigate and interact with those environments it, because there's not always technically a pattern like the, there's not always an actual terminus to a the pattern that that is a, yeah Kind of, yeah. Correlation not being causation is, is a fair analogy, but it's a bit more complex than that. We we always want to to have an answer. We don't very often settle well with, well, I guess there just isn't an answer to that, or I just don't understand that. So the way that our brains are wired are to fill in those gaps, to fill in those gaps so that we can feel as though we have an acceptable answer to what we're perceiving. So we have a perception. That perception may be of something, you know, a good example throughout history is like weather patterns. Like we see weather patterns, like prehistoric us. We don't really understand the weather patterns. We understand that they impact and affect us. Uh, we don't quite know why. And some sort of spiritual thinking about attempting to control the weather because because we know it has an impact on us is a sort of natural thing to do because we're attempting to have some sort of degree of control over the environment that we don't understand. Um, and we're filling in the gaps in our misunderstanding by just kind of asserting an understanding in order to feel more comfortable uh -huh. with the fact that we don't understand. So that sort of spiritual thinking is is something that we we all do innately. We can gravitate away from through better understanding, through building better mental models. We can gravitate away from the sort of like supernatural or spiritual or or faulty thinking because that's just what it is. It's faulty thinking. Sometimes it results in supernatural or spiritual thinking. Sometimes it results in false belief systems that have nothing to do with that. They're just fault like anti-vax, for example, is, is one of those false belief systems mm -hmm. that's like a gap in information processing. Like we don't have access to the full information. We have a poor epistemology. We're, we're having a fear response to something and thus we like have these firmly entrenched beliefs that are based on on not fully perceiving the whole picture of the environment around us because we're not very good at thinking that we misunderstand things we kind of clamp on to the fact that we feel as though our interpretation of the information is the accurate one and then respond accordingly so we can gravitate away okay, from that by, by yeah sure go ahead please do i just yammered so on for very long is time the idea that um we're comfortable being or we're able to tell ourselves that we are comfortable with saying i don't know is that something that we had to develop culturally and it's kind of against our development as a species uh, neurologically or i mean i i'm asking really complex questions about the brain so i don't expect it to be like a, a hard and fast answer but that's that's the thought i'm i'm putting out there i think that we would have to learn to be comfortable 
with not knowing the answer to something and fully and truly accepting that. Because even if we don't, even if we know, like from a logical perspective, even if we say, well, I really don't know the answer to this question, we're more than likely going to fill that answer in with a belief of some sort, right? We we can accept the fact, we can become comfortable with the fact that the belief that we're filling it in with may not be the best possible answer and make sure that we're not holding hard and fast to it. But innately, we're going to fill that belief in with something like we're like our brain doesn't allow us to just leave an empty space there there's something that we see as the highest probability based on what what we have available to us that we would likely form a belief around without if we're if we're cognitive of it if we're uh, making sure that we're being honest that we don't allow it to form like a hard and fast solidified belief that we would act upon but we're still filling it in with something i think if we're honest like i can't think of something Mm. like even like let's say the origin of the universe right that's something that i have no idea and anybody who's reasonable will say that they have no idea what the origin of the universe is like they just don't know they can't say that they know but there's things that you will postulate or hear other people like propose and more likely than not one of those ideas that you hear will make the most sense to you and that will fill in that gap you'll update it if you're if you're operating cognitively like at at a highly functioning level you'll update it as you go and as you have access to more information but something will you will believe something in that hole that's just the way that our brains work like some some sort of belief will form it's just a matter of how honest you are about whether or not you truly know that that is the ultimate answer or if you or if you recognize that some of those beliefs that you have are basically kind of like placeholders okay so that's interesting um do you mind do you mind me to, uh, telling you just a little story of how I got here? I'll try to make it as quick as possible. Well, I think Kenneth was going to say something. I yeah, didn't... I just wanted to ask you one thing, Aaron, oh, oh, because you're sorry, in the United I, States. I, I, I was thinking about what Shannon was saying with sort of within the context of the, you know, American, I'll just, we'll just call it anti-intellectualism. I think that that there there is an element of socialization here where in the United States, for example, we, we very clearly have a culture where you are pressured to have opinions about things and come to conclusions about things, whether you know anything about them or not. I was talking to a neighbor of mine and she was asking me about a news story and she's, she's a pretty hardcore conspiracy theorist. And she's like, well, what do you think about this? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, well, what do you think though? And I was like, I, I, I've done no research at all. I, I, I have no opinion here. And that blew her mind. We went in circles like five times for being like, no, but like, but what do you think though? And and she like she didn't understand what I was saying when I said I I don't have an opinion about this because I don't know anything about it. Um, <laughs> so I mean, if you if you want to tug on that string with respect to the United States and why we are that way here, there's a number of excellent books on the, you know sort of the the topic of American anti intellectualism and you know sort of why we love conspiracy theories here. I mean, even even if we're looking at like the way that our country was founded there's there's sort of the the traces of conspiracy theory happening with the the people who drafted the declaration of independence going hey the king's really bad and here's this you know like 27 i think things that the king's doing that are super bad there's some embellishment in there there's some there's some they're they're, they're getting a little fuzzy with it but people would read this and unite around it and rally and go oh okay we have a sense of what's going on we can this is useful we can we can you know form a, a rebellion around this set of ideas and feel like we really know what's going on across the ocean. Um, yeah, to, to Shannon's point, to, to your point too. I mean, yeah, we are we are uncomfortable. I 
I think probably uniquely in the United States with this idea of not knowing what's going on. Um, we, we all like to think of ourselves as being experts about everything. Um, it's where that whole, you know, lovely Dunning-Kruger thing happens all, all over the place. Um, <laughs> and it holds us back is where this rant is going. Um, so I think that what you're noticing, what you say, it sounds like you're paying attention to is a serious problem. And a lot of social problems that we have, a lot of the religious ideologies that you'll see out there are symptoms of this more foundational problem of people just don't like admitting that they don't know some stuff. Yeah. Or conflating beliefs yeah. with truth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, like the that conflation is, of what you believe with I, what is true. I, Isaac Asimov said something like that, uh, that in, in the United States, there's this sort of unique anti-intellectualism where my belief is as good as anyone else's knowledge. Um, right. I may have like mangled that, that quote a little bit, but yeah, it sucks. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah. like to what I said about like, there's something that you would believe about something. There's a difference between saying, okay, to me personally, this is the best explanation that I can think of. But if somebody asked me, I, I would say what Kenneth said. I would say, I don't know, because honestly to myself, I don't know. I know that there's like some sort of loosely fitting best possible explanation I've been exposed to that I've somewhat accepted, but if like learning to settle into comfort with, yeah, but that doesn't mean that just because that's what my brain did, that doesn't mean that I know shit. <laughs> just, right. well, what's, what's there's better? a difference between the two. I mean, what, what's better just admitting you don't know or manufacturing something so your brain can secrete some feel happy chemicals and you can <laughs> like, that's, like you know, that's the, that's the uh, clinical well, term for them. So, so, so right. as a kid, I, I definitely was, I was a very smart kid and I was told mm -hmm. I was smart, which is the worst thing you can do to a smart kid. So I knew everything. <laughs> if I didn't have uh -oh. an answer, you got one anyway. Um, mm. You know, when I got older and I, I and I learned how to do, how, how to say, I don't know, that was kind of a, a, a pivotal thing. But uh, it's very interesting what Shannon was saying in eye-opening that I am still even when I don't have answers to these weird things that you don't even need to go into, um, uh, I, I, I still try to come up with some kind of placeholder that's just less insane than I'm manufacturing a tulpa. Um, you know, instead, it's yeah. something going on in my head. But that's uh, kind of learning process so, too, uh, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so then let's go go to the next part of that because we're talking about how. Uh, you know, especially in American society, that pressure to have an answer is what's pushing a lot of things that are going on here. If it is inherent in our brains, just the way that, that they kind of function, how do you approach um, remedying the kind of, I, I, mean, I mean, I guess that's what the whole AC experience is about. So I'm not expecting a, a, a clear answer. Better education on like, individual psychology. Uh, like if more people understood, like that, that's that, one that, of the reasons that, that I started doing this, one of the list of reasons, but one of the reasons I started doing this was because I didn't, I saw a lot of people talking about like how religion doesn't comport with like biology or philosophy, but I didn't see anybody talking about the psychology of it, um, but at least hmm. on a broader scale. I didn't see it, you Seems know, like as step. well applied. And that's exactly right. Like, it seems to me that that should be the first step. If we want to do better as a society, first thing that we should need to, first thing that we should focus on is understanding ourselves, understanding how we process things, understanding how we learn things, understanding how we perceive things, understanding how, how we come to know things. All of those are within the realm of psychology. And if people had a better understanding of, of how they assimilate and incorporate perceptual information into what they perceive as knowledge,
change and the impact that that has on how they interact with the world. If they had a better understanding about the processes involved with that, they would be more and better equipped to, to understand where their beliefs are ultimately coming from and whether or not they're well-founded and substantiated. So I think better education on individual uh, and group psychology, cognition in general, not necessarily even just neuroscience, but like foundational psychology um, and perceptual cognition and learning would be uh, huge. That's so a huge step. So, okay. Yeah, I, I tend to just to like, be... It's not the work of the devil. Well, well that helps too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, Shannon, with respect to what you were just saying. Yeah. So I, I tend to be just like very focused on like the critical thinking aspect mm -hmm. of it and don't pay attention hardly at all to talking to people about their, their motives. So I, now I'm, now you're getting doubled. You got a caller asking questions and a co-host asking questions. How do you, <laughs> how do you think about that intersection of the psychology and the philosophy? Like where on the Venn diagram is the sweet spot for us to be to be you know communicating effectively with um with people who might have you know biases that they're unaware of like we all everybody do. has biases they're unaware of right so, so you're just like basically asking me how to communicate mm -hmm. with humans right well, everybody yeah, but... has biases that they're unaware of I, I, mean, I mean do you think of them as separate things though like the the critical thinking side and the the sort of you know how do you think it's side? part of your psychology like critical thinking is part of psychology so how people ah. form those thoughts like the thought process that somebody has is right. part of their psychology i don't so know if you're asked, about it like this well but it's it's true though when you think about it yeah. so if, if somebody has a poor epistemological framework, people tend to approach that more so like in this realm from um, like a philosophical perspective, right? They, mm -hmm. they, they tend to batter people with, well, you don't understand why you're, why you're using a poor Honestly, philosophical right, framework. But if you're, if you're speaking to somebody who let's say is entirely disinterested in philosophy and you're interested in mm -hmm. changing their mind, um, approaching it like that is going to be entirely and in, totally ineffective. You're just going to be having a conversation with them about something mm. they don't care about and aren't interested in. And, th and the only thing that you're going to be able to accomplish is making them feel like you think that you're smarter than them or know more about a subject that they didn't care about to begin mm. with. Right. So trying to figure out how they get to what they believe and whether or not that's a good way to get to that, you can demonstrate to them by trying better to understand why they believe what they believe, how they got there is the the most important if you actually give a shit about whether or not they change their mind and believe appropriate things if, if you're more interested in demonstrating that they're believing silly things to either them or other people then you know throwing you know like philo philosophy and throwing you know like that this is your these are your what whatever you call them the the fallacies like here's your here's your list of fallacies dummy like that most people are just going to walk away from that conversation frustrated not caring and not wanting to interact with you again if that's the yeah. type of approach that you have right. some other people may what be maybe watching and cheering you on because they agree with you that those fallacies are in fact an accurate representation of the fallacies that, that person was representing but why 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 are why is why do they not see those as fallacies why do they not care that they're fallacies why what how are they able to work their way around perceiving them as fallacies those are all elements of their individual psychology and our individual psychology is what gets us to what we believe not which philosophy book we read most recently i love it see i'm, I'm playing the devil's advocate thing yeah. over here because i do see people on every social media platform Definitely. everywhere i go just just bashing people over the head and 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 using like the names of fallacies i love when people do that yeah. oh well what you just 
just did was a fallacy. And like the other person, they they don't hear exactly like what you said. They they don't. It's just oh, this person you know is is being an asshole. Is basically all that is going on in their head. So anyway, I would I just I was wanted us to flush that out a little bit more. I could talk about that all day. (laughs) Who's that guy with the fallacy card game? Oh, that's Steve. I mean, it's useful to be able to identify fallacies, but if like normally when, when you tell somebody that's a fallacy, what they hear is you're telling them that they're wrong, which isn't even what that means. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when you're telling somebody that their argument is right, fallacious, you're saying that we, we can't know. Of course, we, what we're telling them is we can't know that their conclusion is true. It's not, it's not supported by however they're getting there. But if all you do is go, oh, well, that's a fallacy, then, then they, they, you've done nothing uh, to help that person. Um, you've, you might be, again, making your own brain secrete happy feelings because you were able to identify a fallacy. You're out there like a Pokemon hunter just trying to catch them all. And that's, that's you know, good for you. But if the goal is to communicate effectively with people and to change minds, then I think what Shannon's talking about here is, is very, very yeah. important. I agree. And I, th- I think <laughs> the people should know what fallacies <laughs> are too, because if you want to believe true things, that should be important to you, right? So I'm not saying right. that there's no place for philosophy. There's no place for these other sciences. I'm saying that psychology needs to be brought more into the dialogues depending on what your motive is. Like if your motive motive is just to like point out fallacies and, and like mic drop and like celebrate that you're right and somebody else is wrong and, and you could demonstrate it, then neat. But if you care about more people being able to get to appropriate conclusions the right way, you need to not just talk about fallacies. You need to try to figure out why people are engaging them and don't see a problem. That needs to be a part of the conversation. So just one last thing and I'll let you go so I don't take up all your time. Um, because I, I, I've just started watching all of these Colin shows in the last six months or so. And so like everybody has, uh, I, I've heard a lot of opinions on this. I'm just curious about yours. Um, how, either how do you tell or when do you decide that a person is just no matter what you do, um, is not going to be receptive to changing their mind and, and it's just time to just in the conversation, I guess. Uh, in an individual conversation, if I sense that they're attempting yeah, yeah. Just like in an, in an individual con- conversation, like is is there kind of like uh, you know something they'll say or or something they'll just keep doing where you know if they gish gallop or if they go around in circles. Um, I don't. Those don't frustrate like, me as much. That you you kind of recognize uh, abuse tactics for me, like abuse and manipulation mm-hmm. tactics and dialogues are are the line for me. That's when I'm not engaging with you anymore because I recognize that the point of this conversation for you is to assert uh, some form of dominance or they control okay. over the conversation as opposed not to like engaging honest yelling at you. No, nah, it's not even yelling. Like some people, sometimes people will yell out of just sheer <laughs> oh. frustration, right? Like expose exposing things about like faulty things about your belief systems can be incredibly frustrating and anger inducing. So somebody getting frustrated or angry isn't something that I have an like any sort of like emotional react. Like that's not something that would shut down a conversation. Like if something escalates to the point that I don't okay. think that we're going to be able to have a healthy dialogue in this moment, I would say, okay, like maybe this is getting emotionally like escalated. Like let's just let's let's take a beat and we can revisit this tomorrow or the next day or whenever we see each other again right like that but i don't think that i would just disengage entirely with that person 
the only reason I would disengage okay. entirely with the person that I was engaged in this sort of dialogue with is if I sense them continuously attempting to like emotionally or mentally manipulate or using uh, abuse strategies because I, I do not have right. have time for that because you're not even engaging this conversation because you want to talk about what you believe. You're engaging in this conversation because you want to assert dominance and control over me. And I am not your fucking daisy when it comes to that, but... <laughs> So is, yeah. is it okay once you've identified those people to take the uh, uh, Jimmy Snow tack and just start messing with them? Uh, I wouldn't personally. I would just, what's, what's no, I would just no, okay. avoid them. I would I would just avoid them. <laughs> I would just no longer engage with them. I wouldn't give them any of my mental space, period, full stop. Like they just no longer get to exist uh, in the in the effort in the effortful, energized portion of my world where I spend any time uh, attempting to engage or give my energy to people. They don't get that anymore because they don't deserve it okay. from me. I'll tell you, Aaron. There's also, I mean, in addition health. to they would, be, uh, yeah, probably. In addition to what Shannon said, I mean, the, the, being able to identify people who are just you know abusers masquerading as people who want to have conversations. Mm. Um, I mean, that's huge. But there also are people who. I, and I, I mean this exactly how it sounds. Do not know how to have a conversation um, where like the, the idea of two people exchanging ideas, listening actively, responding to each other's points is completely foreign to them. They they actually don't have the skills to do it. So mm. there, sometimes you'll be talking to somebody and you know they'll make a point and you'll make a point and, and one of you will, will say something about the other. And when that person realizes that you know, something that they've said was wrong, they'll just move on to the next thing or just keep restating it. And like some people don't know how to have a conversation. So, um, sometimes I think you actually have to say, Hey, um, I, I'm, I'm interested in an exchange of ideas. It doesn't sound like, you know, you, you know how to do that right now, but you know, good news. It's easy to learn how maybe you go work on that and, and circle back and we can try actually having a conversation sometime in the future. Um, because otherwise it, it can just be, uh, extremely frustrating and, and there's, it's not going to be productive at that point. Um, it may be productive in the context of a show like this, it may be productive because there is an audience that those people may be listening actively. So it, as you're, you know, right. deconstructing somebody's arguments, sure. it can be beneficial to the audience, even if it isn't necessarily beneficial in that moment to the caller. But that's different. If it's just like a one-on-one -on -one thing and you're talking to people, you might, yeah, don't engage with abusers and recognize I, I, that I some people question. literally can't have a have a talk with you. Yeah, I did question why, because there's some callers that show up on every show and they do the same thing every time. I, I could not wrap my mind around why they kept accepting those calls, but that that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we will let you go. Right, Thank you cool. very much. I'll let you go. Yeah. Have a good day, Aaron. Good I... talking to you. Have a... You too. You too. All right. Lovely call. It was an interesting conversation. There you go. Well, if you enjoyed that conversation and you would like to see what other conversations took place on all of the ACA shows this past week, we got it for you right now. Let's go. Woo! <laughs> And so are there any circumstances uh, where polyandry uh, or multiple husbands might be allowed or, or mentioned? Well? Zero. You <laughs> don't to death if, if you dare. Man, the Book of Revelations is metalous. I'd like to see a beast with seven heads upon its head, seven crowns in its foot, mouth the word blasphemy. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I want to meet this, like, the, the whore of Babylon. She seems cool. Oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Maybe instead of pushing your religious bigotry on students that are young and impressionable, how about you focus on educating them and getting them to graduate high school and actually give them resources for college and careers like you f 
said you would. How about that? There's no way to get around this now. You've all been already discussing this, but I have to come out to all of you and say that I am actually trans Jesus. Like, like I am the second coming of trans Jesus. 25,000 people, including over 10,000 children, starve to death every single day. That's more than a thousand people an hour. In the time it's taken us to do this show, over a thousand people have starved to death. If there's a God, what's up with that? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, squad. If you can arrange to be in the Austin area between October 27th and October 30th, consider joining us in our studio audience at the ACA Free Thought Library for a live broadcast of Secular Sexuality and Truth Wanted Halloween special and Talk Heathen and the Atheist Experience. Doors will open at 6 p.m. on Thursday and Friday and noon on Sunday. Parking is wherever you can find a legal spot after the lot is full. And if you can't make it there this month, we will continue to broadcast live from the library the last week of every month. So keep watching this show and our website, atheist/community.org, for news and information as we expand our in-studio offerings in the near future. All right. You ready for another one? Always. Can handle it? I knew you could handle it. Oh, let's yeah. take another one. Let's it's Dimitri o'clock. Let's go. Awesome. We're going to talk to Dimitri. Hello, Dimitri. You were on the Atheist Experience. What would you like to talk about today? Hey, how's it going? Um, well, no my main topic today is based on a book I read by Max Tegmark called The, the Mathematical, Our Mathematical Universe. Have you heard of it? I've not. Nope. Hello? No. Hello? Base? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Sorry. Um, did you get my introduction or no about the um, Max Tegmark? Yeah, uh, yeah. Right, neither, neither of us had heard of the book. Yeah, you're um, cutting up though a little so bit. I'm not sure. Like you're cutting uh, it in it and really out. Bad? It's it sounds bad. like you're in a helicopter <laughs> at the yeah. bottom of a well. We're just like talking into a fan. Uh, Everybody that? Yeah. Is that what I was <laughs> Alright, how how's that? Is that is that good? Oh, we'll see how it goes. Are but we, yeah, we'll no, see. neither of us have read our mathematical universe. Great. So I'm an atheist and after reading this book, I have sort of a feeling of existential security, you know? Becoming an atheist, I was uh I'm like 11 years old growing up in church, a Pentecostal church, and everybody, my whole family is religious and stuff like that. And even, even as like an 11-year-old, I know that it's not true, you know, like magic. It's basically Santa Claus to me about going to heaven and all these things. But for a long time, I was suffering from like depression because if there is no God, there's like no purpose in life, you know, and I was kind of depressed about that. But after reading this book, I got a certain kind of feeling of uh, existential security, you know, like I understand where the universe comes from, my purpose in life, and it's just... It's Christians are being Christian because it gives them sort of a meaning. I think the ideas in this book would sort of help people if they wanted to become atheists, you know, and not suffer from an existential kind of dread. Okay. I think I'm interested in the book. I understand what you mean. I think um, I am... As many, uh, Kenneth may agree with me here, that I am past that, but had issues during deconversion. Um, 
because meaning was presented to me as being something that must be given to me by God and not something that could have intrinsic um, value to me as an individual, just through having experiences um, in life and feeling what those experiences are like and that having value to me. Um, It it took me a little while to, to get to that point so i can i can understand and share that frustration i am glad to hear that this book whatever it may be I, i've not experienced it um helped you get to that point and i hope more people can as well are are you interested in hearing about it or should i just you know <laughs> Uh, no, not on air, probably not on air about, about a book in particular, because we can't promote any individual book that we've not already familiarized ourselves with. Well, it's basically, it's not even just that book. It's like a whole uh, way of thinking that's basically, it's basically like Platonism or the ideal realm, or basically in, in a nutshell, it's the idea that mathematics is the only thing that really exists, you know? And that's like a secular kind of viewpoint, right? There's no God there. There's, but it is sort of magical at the same at the same time, you know. It's a little bit kooky. <laughs> yeah, I, do you agree? I I I don't know enough about it to either de- or to, to our conversations earlier. I don't know yeah, enough yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, we come full circle, Dimitri. Yeah. The, the thing I I gotta ask you. So when I was looking at the call screening log, this isn't at all what we thought we were going to be talking to you about. Um, in in the call screening thing, it said that you wanted to talk about Christianity being descended from paganism. Um. It, Oh, was there yeah was well, there multiple things you wanted to talk about yeah that's sort of related you know this kind of idea that there's a Pythi- like a a world of mathematics or of ideal forms was created by like Plato and all these ancient philosophers and stuff like that. And while reading the Bible, uh, I actually read the whole thing from like beginning to end. I read it through like a scientific viewpoint. And like, of course, I'm like making stuff up using my own intuition. Um, but like the way I sort of read Moses, for instance, you know, Exodus is sort of like the, the cult of mm-hmm. Christianity sort of started in Egypt, you know, when at least that's from their tradition, you know, that they were enslaved and there was all sorts of mysticism there. And my theory is, it's kind of a crazy theory, that this sort of idea that there's a world of mathematics could have been sort of corrupted into this whole spiritual thing that there's God, that there's magic, that there's soul. It could be like an, a misunderstanding of this deeper truth that mathematics is behind everything. You know what I mean? It, this, this is interesting. You're taking me back to, I, I was, I'll, I'll out myself. I was an English major as an undergrad. So <gasps> I used to sit, I know, I know. I used to sit in, in classrooms and people would read books. And then, you know, in, in the realm of sort of like, you know, literary analysis and textual criticism, people could, people could make these sort of post hoc rationalizations with the stuff that they read and go, oh, okay, I know that the story was about Jack and Jill going up a hill, but what if what it's really about is how everything is math? And then we would talk about it. <laughs> I'm wondering if that's what you're doing exactly. with the Bible. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it is a big cookie and it's not, you know, I'm a really intuitive person, like you were talking before. Like mm-hmm. um, the way I can explain it is like the game of chess. You know, you have to think through every single move and then you win by calculating everything out. I hate that. Thinking out through every move. I'm more of like a 
intuitive person. I'll just go wherever my intuition takes me, and if I lose, I lose. You know what I mean? I'll learn through mistakes and in logic. So I oh, understand. Well, we could be more opposite. Yeah, <laughs> I future I mean, project every possible scenario I can conceive of in order to try yeah. to deliberate on the decision that I'm about to make. I'm not sure that that's I, healthy. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think my, anxiety, my intuitions sure. are my intuitions are useful until they're not. Which <laughs> is, happens often. I mean, you know what I mean. I agree. <laughs> here's, here's my justification for using intuition is that every time you're wrong using intuition, your intuition is updated and it becomes better. You know what I mean? Not to be afraid of the failure. Well, no, I would say that every time that your intuition is inaccurate, you learn what the accurate way to deal with that specific scenario is. So you no longer have to yeah. utilize your intuition in that scenario. And then the next time you use your intuition in a different scenario, you're up against the same sort of thing. I mean, I wonder if... Times I've used my intuition that I was right, right? And there have been times that I was wrong. So that's, that's a false positive. You know what that tells us? That tells us that intuition isn't very useful. <laughs> if, if, if intuition can be used to be both right and wrong, then maybe there's some better epistemological tool that yeah, like I don't know, like maybe reason or something that could be used to try to you know more reliably come to correct conclusions. I mean, Almost don't like you think no that it's not really mutually exclusive at the same time? That the logic could also be sort of intuitive, you know? Yeah. Uh, if you're but, if you're incorporating logic into your intuitions, then you're they're approaching the realm of you know reason. rationalization yeah. as opposed <laughs> to just like pure emotional intuition. Which I mean, good, right. yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, well, we do, we do yeah, have to I'm let you go perfect. though. I I'm, I'm I enjoyed the conversation about uh, like we're okay. we're well off and we're into we're into intuition land now. Which... We're not perfect either, Dimitri. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, Kenneth's right. not, but right, right. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> I am. <laughs> we'll never make great decisions. Have Thank you for one, having. Dimitri. Have the best day, Dimitri. Thank you yeah. very much for calling. Bye. See you later. Bye. I have one additional announcement that I would like to make. We have a brand new store. You can visit tiny.cc forward slash merchandise uh, forward slash merch ACA. My gosh, why do they let me do these things? I tried to punt it off on Kenneth, but he wouldn't <laughs> he wouldn't take it. So now everybody's stuck with me. Thank Kenneth. <laughs> to get your favorite items like t-shirts, hoodies, and coffee mugs. And you can check our brand new items like beanies, cell phone cases, and tote bags. We even now have a feature special limited edition item each month. So be sure to check out our store and all the stores for all of our other shows. And right below the chat, you'll notice that there is a donate now box in the live chat. Donations made there mean that the ACA will get 100% of the proceeds. YouTube does not take a cut and that is the best way to support us. And finally, most importantly, most important announcement I have ever and will ever make. The crew! Woo! Thank you to the crew who have to deal with the all of our crew. nonsense all yeah. the time. And we are nightmares. So <laughs> they deserve everything, all of the accolades, all of the time. The crew is the best. They work diligently. They work like tirelessly. Yeah. And they had to deal with me and Kenneth before the show. If there was I no crew, can't have been, just... can't have been easy. <laughs> yeah, with, with no crew, it would just be imagine? Shannon and I in, in our respective rooms talking to ourselves, which, <laughs> you know, that'd be weird. I know. Exactly. Exactly. I would just be sitting here talking yeah. to my computer by yeah. myself as, as I want to do when I'm not hosting right. this show. When That's the crew's not around. 
right? The camera's off. I'm just I'm just talking to imaginary people through my headphones, <laughs> staring at my computer screen, pretending Kenneth's here to keep me company. So good job, crew. Thank you for go. all of our work. <laughs> all right. We still have a few more calls that we I think we can fit in. Let's talk to Dan. It's Dan. Hello, hey, Dan. Dan. You were on the Atheist Experience. What would you like to talk about today? Hello. Hey. hey. Okay. Yep. Okay. You, you have a question. Does the soul exist? Mm -hmm. Instead, I want to answer the question. What is a soul? I don't think it exists. So you're asking me to to operationalize something that I don't think is possible, which is, I, I I can't do that. Like you would have you would have to tell me what you think a soul is, and then demonstrate to me whether or not it's real. Uh, because I don't I don't think it exists. I could tell you what some other people maybe have believed in the past or what I previously believed. Uh, but I would think all of those would be really fallible definitions. Obviously, if they weren't, then I would have held to one. Yeah. Do you think it exists? Oh, uh, um, definitely. Okay, what is it? Well, the soul, let, let me give you the description of it. The soul has similar, a similar meaning like uh, the word suspect. The soul is referring to the mind. The mind is what we use to make decisions to do what we do every day. This mind is subjected to uh, be evaluated and judged and then put in a place where it may not be our choosing. That is what a soul is. Another way to describe it is the mind which is having a faith. That is the what mind a soul is. which has a fate. So, you th right. so you, the first thing I heard you say is that the soul is the mind. So you think that they're synonyms? You think they're the same thing? You think that the soul and the mind are synonymous with each other? They are the same thing? Is that a fair statement? Hello? Oh, we've lost him. Darn! Damn, you tease. Oh, man. I always say every time I'm hosting, no one wants to call and talk about the soul. And then finally someone called to talk about the soul. And the moment I had the first question. <laughs> call back, Dan. Oh, guys. Anybody call and talk to me about the soul. <sighs> That's Look fine. at what Whatever. you've done. Shannon's yeah, devastated. I'm upset. I'm upset, right? Ugh. Okay. It's fine. Well, I can carry on. <laughs> maybe Dan will call back. I hope we got a little bit of right. time. Call back, Dan. We still have some time. All right. Next, we will talk to Michael. Hello, Michael. You were on the Atheist Experience. What would you hi. like to talk about today? Hi. Um, hi. How are you guys doing? Super. Doing what great. would you talk about today? Awesome. Um, sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. I've actually never called in before. Um, but I um, I was having a conversation with a theist. Uh, I'm an atheist, but um, I still actively, you know, seek out hearing from all kinds of people because this sort of thing interests me. Um, and so I was trying to have a discussion with one particular theist, and he brought up some method for verifying historical evidence. And when I looked up, um, I actually never heard of it, despite I did a lot of apologetics back when I was a theist. Um, it's called the, the bibliographic test, but basically it, I look it up, and it's coming from all these Christian sources, and it doesn't seem very reliable. But I guess my question is, when I'm having a discussion with somebody, you know, theist, atheist, whoever, and they bring out some sort of set of criteria, how do I go about evaluating whether or not, okay, I'll grant you that, or, you know, saying, hey, hold on, like, what, why is this what you're evaluating, whatever your claim is, by, and sort of, uh, does that make any sense? Like, what are you talking about granting a premise or granting their methodology for accepting that premise? A, a, a methodology. Um, you know, sometimes it's very like, oh, that's circular, you know, but just generally speaking, if you're having a discussion with somebody, you know, how do you, they, they clearly have their methodology, which obviously will end up resulting in whatever they're claiming, and, and just sort of, how does one go about evaluating the methodology that somebody puts forth as for how they reach the conclusion that they did? Um, I would walk them through, Kenneth probably has totally different answers than me, but so I'll say, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to assert my dominance and say mine first. So <laughs> what 
what I would do is I would um, walk them through uh why i would reject the premise that we're talking about so i don't even need to accept their methodology right if it if i if if i'm rejecting the premise there's a reason right because it didn't comport to the standards mm -hmm. of my methodology so accepting right. their methodology doesn't seem like it would make sense to me because it's clearly not a methodology that i would use because yeah. if, if that methodology leads you to that conclusion and i didn't end up with that conclusion I must have some sort of problem with that methodology, but you can get caught in the weeds if you're just talking yeah, about the methodologies yeah. and when, when what's important is the, the conclusion. So I would walk them through um, why I have problems with the conclusion, like just demonstrate to them in the mm -hmm. dialogue what methodology I would be using to reject the conclusion that they're putting forth as an accurate one would, would be what I right. would well, I, I guess in that scenario. Sorry, sorry, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, that, I was done. I'm done. <laughs> do you, like, do you have any sorry, thoughts, Kenneth? Yeah. Would you do something different? Well, when we're talking about evidence and the nature of evidence, um, I, I use sort of a dumbed down like definition for people when I'm having conversations. When, when they say, oh, I've got evidence of X, I go, great. When I use the word evidence, I mean anything that can be used to demonstrate the truth of a claim. Do, do we mean the same thing? And then, then we can talk about it. So it, now if, if I, if you're talking about what I think you're talking about with this bibliographical test thing, we're talking about whether the, the biblical texts that we have now match the sort of earlier manuscripts, mm -hmm. but yeah. that doesn't have anything to do with what, whether what's in anything like the actual the claims right. is true. So I'd be like objection relevance. <laughs> so, right. so, so yeah, uh, like, uh, in, yeah, right. So would that so, be like, like, okay, I just want to make sure I understand what you just said, Kenneth, because that's bananas to me because that would just be like saying, okay so i have this new copy of harry potter that i got mm -hmm. from the store and yes. let's analyze how closely it matches the author's draft edition. that yeah. was first sent to right. the publisher therefore, right that therefore everything that happened in this book is true that is that is basically what it yeah. is yes. oh yeah so yeah. I, i'd be able to poke holes so down i guess quick. it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of misdirection of like well hold on yeah. you know, granting this premise okay yeah yeah so it was well, and this is this you. is why figuring it's, out yeah. what we're talking about when we talk about evidence is important because a lot of people when they use the word evidence, they're just talking about whatever reason they have. But the reason that they have might not actually be useful for demonstrating the truth of their conclusion. It might just be a reason. Mm -hmm. Faith is a reason, right. but is faith evidence? Nope. Right. Because it can't yeah, be used to demonstrate I, the I truth of whatever the, the claim yeah. is. Yeah. Like, yeah, and in I, that I, instance, yeah, now that I understand it, yeah. you could just point out that even if the methodology that they're using to analyze the, you know, the, the similarity between original transcripts and the current Bible is sound, it has nothing to do with their fucking conclusion. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, let's 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 assume it's super let's assume it all matches okay how do we know jesus rose from the dead how do we know mm. you know jesus wrote you know turned water into wine how do we know he said this this and that right. you know it, we would they would have all of their work in front of you if you just you know granted for the sake of conversation that we have super duper mega reliable manuscripts yeah right yeah and i guess that's kind of where i fell for it at that point in the conversation been going on for a while and what he fell on was like well all these people wouldn't have died for that like many people died in waco you know like people died for things that they don't believe in or that they think are true that might not be true all the time and so i guess yeah sort of that 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 talking about that test was sort of meant to bolster his credibility and make him sound kind of more and i don't think he meant it maliciously but yeah i guess sort of looking out for hold on like what is this method that you're using what does it apply to and is this yeah. even relevant to our conversation you know like you're saying like just because the first edition of harry potter might be the same as the seventh that doesn't mean that wizards exist so
So, you know, sort of and like also if they, fundamentally, they start talking what, about, what is this looking at? And if they start talking about martyrs, you can use their own methodology against them because whatever textual and historical methodology they're using for the critical analysis of uh, like how the book was comprised, they would have to admit that there is really not a significant amount of evidence that anybody died specifically like that was uh, right. in the position to know Jesus was alive and was savior. Um, there's not a lot of historical mm -hmm. evidence that many yeah. of them actually died for right. that belief. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And even Christian scholars, <laughs> yeah. you know, will will tell you that. Yeah. You know. Um. But yeah. No. I, if if you're if you're being mindful of this, you'll you'll notice it all the time. I, I was in a conversation with a theist yesterday over on TikTok, and the guy was making the case. He said, "Well, there are locations in the Bible that we know are real places." Ergo, we we can know that all the other shit in the Bible is definitely 100% true. And I pointed out that New York is a real place. Uh, Queens and Brooklyn are real places. Right. Therefore, Spider-Man. Um, yeah, that doesn't mean yeah. that. Yeah, Captain America and Spider-Man are real. Uh, you know, there, there has, you know, right. there was a there was a, a run of of uh, Spider-Man featuring Barack Obama <laughs> years ago, uh, having adventures with Spider-Man. So we've got an authentic historical figure in there. But this again, this cannot be used to demonstrate the truth of a claim like you know Barack Obama had adventures with Spider-Man. So that's, you know, we, we have to evaluate whether what's being presented is in fact actual evidence. And to me, it all hinges on that question of, of pro, what's called probative value in the in the, the legal world, which is, can this be used to demonstrate the truth of the issue that's in question? Um, and if not, then it ain't evidence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it is more of a relevance issue than an issue of that particular claim. Um, Word. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. You know, it, it doesn't make sense examining someone's methodology if you're kind of already out of the ballpark what the original question was in the first place. Yeah, it sounds like they tap danced away from defending their claim into defending an oh, entirely different ever. claim oh, and hoping that because yeah. it was tangentially related that you would say, oh, oh, okay, I guess there I'd is evidence. Even though that's not evidence for anything that you were talking about historical. initially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are, are they yeah. impressed yeah. that yeah. the chain of custody for the Book of Mormon is super duper tight? That there are super early manuscripts for <laughs> yeah. the Book of Mormon that match what we have now? And if not, why are they playing by right. a different set of rules for the obviously 100% true revelation to Joseph Smith <laughs> as opposed to, you know, like the... Right, right, right. That's only Love me an outsider test of faith. Obviously, that's true. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. 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 That makes sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. That makes a lot of sense. No problem. Thanks cool. for calling and enjoy the rest of your day, Michael. Thanks. Yeah, have a good evening, y'all. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Ben, let's talk to Ben. Let's do it. Hi, Ben. You're on the Atheist Experience. What would you like to talk about today? I come back. You're it's back. It's Oh, it's the same Ben. Perfect. Yeah, Yay. Back. Welcome back. I can hear you significantly better now, too, which is great. Wait, is it Dan? Is it Ben? Who Who the hell are we talking to? Yeah. Yes, yes. Speaking. All it's right. Ben whatever. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna lose. I think I'm gonna <laughs> All right. Well, we're here, uh, Ban. So tell us about the soul. All right. I think I already uh, described the soul to you. you. So you described the soul. The question I asked you as you dropped off was you, you said the soul is the mind. So do you see the soul and the mind as the exact same thing? Don't do this to me again, Ben. Do you see them as the exact same thing? I can still see that you're here uh, this time. Well, <laughs> The mind, the soul, and the mind. The soul is coming from the point of view of the mind, but the soul has a uh, a situation where it can be judged or evaluated or put in place where you know you don't you don't like it or you can you like it. Okay, so I'm not fully understanding what you're saying. Are you saying that the soul isn't the mind, but the soul can judge what the mind no, does? No, the soul is uh, the mind. The soul is coming from the point of view of the mind. 
is mm. you know it talked about that my because of my used to make decision every day this uh-huh. my okay. is subject to be the decision we make is subject to be evaluated and judged it sounds to i think shannon I, it, okay ben dan let me know if i'm getting this right because i think that what you're describing is that there is some part of our mind that survives our death and then goes on to be judged is that what you're saying oh yes yes oh okay, okay. thank you kenneth okay so you're saying that the soul is like the soul is the portion of our mind that continues to exist after we're dead and then we'll be judged okay so while we're alive is what i'm interested in and the practicality and functionality like how, like how the soul works so do you think the soul is inside your body uh, like right now well let me put let me put it this way when science talked about consciousness consciousness uh-huh. it talked about the awareness of ourselves mm-hmm. the soul is about the mind the spirit is about the whole personality okay so that that so doesn't quite mind. answer my question though so do you so are you saying that you think the soul is in the body like do you think the soul is in the brain is it physical yeah well you you can say uh, the mind it, it's not a physical the spirit is the physical the mind is the functioning the consciousness the functioning of the individual so go ahead Ken. I, I have a question uh ben dan uh there's this story uh a long time ago where there's this guy i know shannon knows who this is this guy named phineas gage and he was in an accident where um a metal spike got driven through his head and it changed like fundamentally who he was so the way that he made decisions changed his personality changed his ability to regulate his impulses changed so i'm wondering would you think of this as being his soul being damaged did his soul change because who he was changed okay let me put it this way uh we mm-hmm. exist in uh, two forms the physical and the spiritual okay mm-hmm. so it's like a car and a driver when the car mm. is damaged the driver can't do anything about that when the driver is out the car don't do it can do anything about that too so okay so the driver and the car that's some jp morgan stuff yeah, just, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so i've heard that before so the analogy falls apart though in, when when you're putting it next to salvation right so in phineas gage's instance what kenneth brought up he actually had a real he was a railroad worker and a dampening rod exploded and went through his frontal orbital bone through his prefrontal cortex then out the top so now like kenneth referenced because he had part of his orbital prefrontal cortex just obliterated that that part of your brain regulates things like impulse control and decision making so he was a very good christian boy beforehand and afterwards was a gambler and a smoker and a philanderer so by all metrics that you sounds like a mega church pastor distracting <laughs> by all metrics that of salvation that that are available to to christians that they're aware of he's failing now he was succeeding before and is failing now through no fault of his own so you have to reconcile yourself with the fact that because of a physiological change to the constitution of his brain he has now lost salvation so in this instance the driver of the car goes down with the car if the car is broken because somebody else smashes into the front of the car even though it's not the driver's fault and the driver's still conscious the dri- the driver goes down with the ship in that instance the driver cannot get out of the car your soul doesn't get salvation anymore because of something that happened to the car. 
So, I mean, that's, that analogy sounds neat, but it also doesn't work in this instance when you when you hold it under scrutiny. So why, because of a physiological change, does he no longer have salvation? That was out of his control. Why? Because his car is broken. Why is he no longer qualified for sal salvation? Well, if the car is damaged and he is not responsible for the, for the damage, God okay. doesn't. Uh, judge on because of okay. the damage. So people who have any sort, so to, to what scale then? Because if you're if you're talking about, we're talking about large scale damage when it comes to Phineas Gage, right? So now let's and talk about somebody who has Why would he be maybe, responsible for the damage either? Like he, it, yeah. it was an accident. Mm -hmm. Why would he be It was an accident. Well, he yeah, he's saying that God will give him salvation because he was not responsible for the damage. Oh, okay. I misheard them. Yeah, okay. that's what he's saying. He's saying God, God will say, okay, that's cool. <laughs> you you weren't responsible for the damage. You get okay. salvation. So my question is like to an insurance that claim that gets filed. Like, how <laughs> right? like how do you know? That's what the, that's where the scale thing comes in because you can have some sort of you can have physiological changes to your brain um, due to addiction, right? So I could be addicted to a, a substance, and that substance can now cause a physiological change in my brain. And that addiction is a form causes a form of brain damage that could affect the same areas of my brain. Now that's a result of my brain's function in interacting with my behavior and that brain damage um, could, could cause me to have poor impulse control in the same way. Now, in that instance, I'm now, I now have poor impulse control as a result of brain damage, same scenario. Um, do I get to keep my salvation in that instance? I'm a drug addict, poor impulse control due to brain damage as a result of drug use. Do I get to keep my salvation? I won't have the answer, but, uh, for what I learned from, uh, from a, uh, psychic, she said in the afterlife, there were seven levels, seven levels go through, you go through that level. If you are on the bottom level, you go through that level to go up. Okay. So you don't, so you don't have the so answer. That could, That's cool. Yeah, well, I, well, I, 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 I'm not gonna. I I'm not gonna take the, the secondhand um, stuff from your from whichever psychic you consulted about things like this. So now, now I want to take you to the next level here. So now we've acknowledged, right? So we've acknowledged through this dialogue that there can be physiological effect, effects to the brain that affect your behavior, and then your behavior is ultimately what gives you salvation. Now you are acknowledging that your brain is a source of behavior. Okay. Now, if you're acknowledging that your brain is the source of behavior, <laughs> why do we even need the soul? Like how does your, and, yeah. and that there's a way to damage the interaction between your soul and your brain so that your soul becomes disconnected from your brain. I don't understand how you don't see that as disparate because I could, let's say, have a, a small amount of like um, damage in one portion of my brain. Is that if that's enough to disconnect my soul from my brain and I live the next 80 years of my life with my soul disconnected from my brain, like am I am I a zombie at that point in time? Like, how am I operating and functioning? If my soul no, is no longer capable of driving the car, you're basically saying, okay, well, in these instances, the car is driving itself now. 
the soul is no longer interacting. So what's a human then? Because you're simultaneously acknowledging that we don't need the soul to operate, interact, feel, engage. We don't need that because yeah. you need to be able to segregate the two in order to be able to continue to hold the belief that it's fair, that God would, con would condemn people or whatever. So you need to be able to say, okay, well, God wouldn't condemn people because now the soul's separated. But if in order for you to hold that belief, then you also have to be able to believe that you don't even need the soul to be able to operate and feel. Like an animism goes right out the window. You don't need the soul for any of that in that instance, which means that you never needed it to begin with. It's just a weird postulate. Yeah. If they can be separated and we can still function, then it was never needed to begin with, right? Uh, the body won't be able to function without the soul. But you so told soul, me about the car, yeah. though, bro. We, we, we kind of already established that it can. You did. The you mind is all that's needed. Yeah, right? Like, so you said in Phineas Gage's instances, God would, the soul, the, the car is damaged. So the soul, the, the soul control which is the you. Mind. The soul need a mind isn't, isn't, isn't steering the car anymore. The car is not working in that analogy. It can't be can't be driven properly, right? Right. But Phineas Gage still right, existed right. and lived a very, very long life. So you either have to accept the so, fact that he still had a soul, in which case that soul is condemned, which isn't fair, and then you'd have to admit that it's not fair, or or it was never necessary to begin with. And animism, like through through the soul, like is not a requirement. You can't hold both beliefs simultaneously without have without being dissonant. Brandan? I got lost. You me? got lost. <gasps> I can still okay. hear you, but I just I don't think that you can hold both beliefs simultaneously yeah. without being dissonant. And we haven't even gotten to the interaction problem. I mean, I could go right down to the microscopic level and explain to you why a soul doesn't make any sense from the perspective of sodium ion transmission across a cell membrane and a neuron causing action potentials and those being required in order for you to even have this conversation and any thoughts pertaining to it right now and that a soul couldn't uh, be involved in that process with, in any sort of practical or material way. But I don't even think that's needed. Yeah. I'm wondering maybe because, I, I mean, it, it might be apparent to you at this point that Shannon has really thought about this. Um, I, I wonder, I, you know, why you think there's a soul in the first place. I understand that people will tell you that we have a soul. People will tell you that we need a soul. Psychics will tell you about all kinds of stuff, about there being spirits and afterlifes and I guess railroads in those afterlifes. But I, I guess, is, is there a particular reason why you believe that we have souls in the first place? Like, why do you think this is necessary? Well, evidence all around us through research, through investigation, What's the very, very best evidence that you have that we have souls? Two type of evidence. Uh, first one through investigation, visual observation. Second one, visual is, observation. Is, Okay, let's let's just talk about that, Ben, because we are running out of time. But let's let's just let's just drill down on one thing. So the first thing you you brought up was was visual observation. Um, when when has someone visually observed a soul? I would argue that the opposite. Uh, well, the difference between you and me is I am a researcher. You are not. <laughs> You're the researcher. You researched this? No, I researched through uh, other researcher and investigator. Why would okay. you assume that? Neither so, of us. I know. Are, are, I know what <laughs> most people Shannon, know. And and Danza, nobody please. knows. <laughs> Ben, look, Shannon, Ben Dan's a researcher. We're just a couple assholes uh, who don't know anything. So that's why I'm asking you, Ben Dan. I'm looking at degree, my degree. Like, what a waste what, of money. It's well, okay, a degree, but are you a researcher? So, <laughs> no. Ben Dan, what is the, what, what, who, who observed, visually observed a soul? Who, who, who did this? Yeah, what did it look like? Well, pe yeah. 
uh, people do uh, investigate uh, the phenomenon. Okay. I feel like we're going in circles a little bit, Ben Dan. Yeah. Maybe... I'd, I'd want to know what it looked like too. Like what, yeah. what, because you, you, you've acknowledged the fact that brains, you, you've acknowledged the fact that brains initiate behavior and that sometimes that's beyond our control in this conversation. You've acknowledged that fact. So, so if that's the case, in order to hold true to the soul, you have to find a way for the soul to interact with the brain. And if you yeah. need, and if you're trying to find a way for a soul to interact with the brain, once you acknowledge the brain is responsible for behavior so that the soul can drive that car, then it would be easy to well, find it. You would be able to see it because we know how neurons fire. Neurons fire because there's a specific distribution of sodium and potassium ions on either side of the cell membrane of the neuron. And when they reach a specific threshold, the mitochondria in that cell produce ATP and that ATP opens the sodium, like opens the channels on the neuron and they go on to either side of that cell membrane. That creates the electrical action potential that causes that neuron to send a signal down that axon through the fibrous tissue to the dendrites on the other side, on the cell buttons, on the synapse, where the chemicals are released to communicate with the other neurons in the brain. Like we know that that's a fact. That's, well, so, that's something I that mean, would be observed. Observable. Did so, you research it though? I mean, yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. I did. So we would be able to see that. That would be that would be the point of interaction. But we don't like we don't right, we, see, right, we right. don't see that happening, right? You're, so when yeah, you say you, that it's been yeah, observed, like a bunch of mystics saying that I can see somebody's fucking aura doesn't do it for me. When you <laughs> like, because you haven't, you have you haven't even right, gotten right. into the realm of the things that you've admitted. Like you admitted that the yeah. brain causes behavior, and that's why Phineas Gage got his special get out of jail free card to get into heaven because otherwise it wouldn't be fair but you somehow won't admit that the soul doesn't interact like doesn't interact with the brain or isn't required for the brain so now you're at the point where if you're saying okay well the soul interacts with the brain it does it's necessary you're you have to prove that it's necessary somehow and we know the point of interaction where we could find it when, and, when and it's not there when a car is dead the uh, driver is outside no longer uh depart of the car okay that driver has the capacity to uh, imitate the car yeah that that response it doesn't have, ben Dan, it doesn't have to that, be that, the car that uh, ben Dan, that that response that response for me I, I muted you because the, the, everything that you're doing right now it's just like the sound of everything shannon said thudding into the wall as it went over your head you're you're not addressing anything that that shannon said to to like the point here okay so I, i'm gonna unmute you so you can do that because i don't want you to i know you're a nice person you wouldn't want to be rude to shannon and not answer the question i understand what uh shannon was talking about Okay. I was referring to the car still working. I'm saying about the car no longer part of the uh, spirit. The spirit is more powerful than the car. I don't emerge as the car itself. But, but so I was talking about how the you, I was talking yeah. about how the driver. Well, let's stay in your analogy. I was talking about how the driver drives the car. We can we can witness how the driver drives the car because we can see the driver's hands on the steering wheel. We can see the driver's feet on the pedals. We can see the driver's hand moving to the gear shift. Those are observable things. That's how we know a driver's driving a car because we because we see them doing car drivey things and we identify and then we see the car moving. So I was telling you the mechanisms by which the brain does stuff, but we don't see anybody's hands on the wheel. Nobody's hands are on the wheel. 
You haven't shown me that the driver is even within a hundred kilometers of the car. Well, we like, don't, we don't, this we is don't a self-driving car. <laughs> Prove to me it's not yeah, a self-driving car. See. Show me the driver in the car. Right. right. We, we don't, we're not talking about the driver and driving a car. We cannot identify the driver and driving a car, but we can see <laughs> that the driver is outside of the car alive, like the car. Analogies are hard. <laughs> like, I, yeah. Because uh, the driver's outside. Spirit, of... <laughs> you, uh, let me say it again. Your spirit emerged out of your bare body, and that spirit can mimic your yourself, become your physical, and disappear yes. or come out like Superman. That, that is the claim that you're making, that there is this spirit, there's this soul thing. What Shannon keeps drawing attention to is that our brains seem to be doing all of the work and that there's no indication that a soul is interacting with it at all. There's no mechanism that we have right now that we can use to detect a soul. So what she's asking you, like, like, frankly, like really sweetly and nicely over and over again is how, what, how are you determining that this soul thing is interacting with the brain at all? Yeah. Cause you said it's been uh, because the, uh, the dead body and the soul, uh, know each other. Right. And that's the, claim, so, right. That's, that's the claim. We, we, yeah. That's why we know that the soul in driving the car. So, right, that, so, so the claim, the claim that you're making is that the soul is driving the car, right? But what Shannon is asking you is how are you determining that the soul is interacting with the car? Let's forget the car with people. Okay. How are you determining that the soul is in fact interacting with people? You're claiming that the soul is what's driving the, the person and their behavior. How have you determined that that is the case? Through research, I what don't research? find the soul separate from the car. While the car is dead, the soul still observing everything else and then become part of the car. There's no way, Ben Dan, that there is research that 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 communicated with a dead person's spirit. And and what you're saying is there's research that somehow was capable of talking to a dead person's still existent non-corporeal form and that that dead person said, actually, I totally was a soul this entire time. That's my body right there. When you weird, right, guys? Is your research primarily being done on like Google, Facebook, perhaps? Reddit. Uh, my sources are uh, authentic. Yeah. Authentic. Okay, I think okay. that we well, I think we've the apex of this conversation. Yeah, yeah, we've hit bedrock. Um, yeah. Ben Dan, have a great rest of your day. Good luck with your research. Um, yes, very lovely talking to you, and enjoy the rest. You're of not your day. a researcher, Shannon. You're not a. Re- <laughs> I'm. He is. I'm not actually like I'm, you I'm not. are. It's not my vocation, but, um, but I have done. I have yeah. done research in a scholastic setting more than look. Twice. I, I just want to draw attention, like because <laughs> okay. what I just did there with asking about like Google and Facebook and and even places like Reddit, it is mm. possible to actually yeah do research, good quality research using those types of venues. Um, but all research is not created equally. Um, I'm thinking of that meme about research where there's people in a lab working on medicine and then the, compared with like somebody on their toilet looking at their phone. Uh, these, these are not equivalent research uh, methodologies, right? So um, in the same way that we were talking about evidence earlier, um, people will present lots of things as being evidence, even if it doesn't have the quality of being useful for, for 
demonstrating the truth of whatever they're claiming, um, just, just for all of us, um, recognize that what we are doing when we're looking for information is not always necessarily research. And it's it's easy to uh, be. Yeah, I think that that is a solid point. I was making sense, though, right? Sometimes I think, was I yeah. saying words that no, no, sense? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, with that, we've, we've, we've determined that I sometimes make sense. I hope you all enjoyed our show today. Uh, that's our goal on here, right? Yeah. We, yeah. Sometimes making sense. That's, yeah, we're going to Thank you. Sometimes makes sense. That's how we're gonna put on a shirt. That's probably an overreach, actually. She periodically makes sense every so often. All right. Well, everybody enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And we hope you enjoyed the show. Even though Kenneth was here, we did what we could. I'm sorry. It was right. he's still a lot nemesis, to work with. I clearly, apologize to everybody. Yeah, yeah. But right. we did the best we could with what we had. And right. as always, everyone, help elevate the discourse. Bye. Bye. It's time to get sexy, so watch Secular Sexuality Live Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc slash YTSS and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash call S-E-X.